1 John chapter 5, verses 12, or 13 rather, through verse 15. And it reads this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Father, we ask that you would help us as we get into this word today. We ask that you would speak to us, that you would reveal your truth to broken people who are redeemed by the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to speak to you this morning on the theme, confident prayer. Confident prayer. I read a story recently of a man who was in medical school and all confident in himself. I think if I was able to go to medical school, I'd have a little confidence as well. Those of you who are in medical school or have been there or striving to go there, good luck. <laughs> um, he, uh, medical school student, he's walking with his briefcase and books and, and a whole bunch of stuff, and he passes a fast food stand, and he orders a hamburger and a milkshake. And he's kind of trying to hold everything together, and he's in this big crowd of people, and he's looking for an empty table. And while he's looking for an empty table, he bends over to take a sip of his, his milkshake, but the straw gets the best of him and misses his mouth and goes into his nose. So he's now standing in this position with a straw in his nose, and he figures if I straighten up, it should remedy my situation. So he straightens up, but the straw doesn't stay in the milkshake. It stays in his nose. <laughs> and his hands are full. <laughs> and uh, at that moment, uh, as the story is told, he said, I lost all confidence. Now, we uh, often feel uh, like that as it pertains to our Christian walk. We got a lot of stuff going on. We're trying to do a lot. We're trying to do right. We're trying to think right. We're trying to act right. We're trying to love right. And so often, in our best efforts, we end standing looking like a fool with a straw hanging out of our nose. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because I think we probably all would raise our hand, but on your own, in your own flesh, in your best efforts, how many of you would say that in my best efforts, I am absolutely confident in my spiritual life? On our own, with our best efforts, we often lack confidence because we have straws hanging out of our noses. And forget the people around Forget the guy ladies that you're trying to impress or the girl fellas that you're trying to impress. 
who just saw you put a straw in your nose. What is God's facial expression as he look toward, looks towards us? Like this, this is a good question that I've heard people ask before, and I'll ask it of you. As, as you think of your life, and as you think of who God is, what is God's expression toward you? Is it one of embarrassment? Is he, is he, is he like the angry, like I can't, the disappointed? Is he filled with wrath toward you? Is he like, like, oh my goodness, you're such a fool, <laughs> laughing at you? The way that we answer that question determines what we believe about the gospel. Because the gospel said that God says that God's expression toward us, because of Christ, is one of absolute acceptance and love in spite of the fact that we've got spiritual straws hanging out of our noses. We have confidence before God. Look at verse 14 in our passage this morning. This is the confidence that we have toward Him. If we ask anything of His will, He hears us. So this whole book, we've been in this series, if you're uh, just visiting today or here for the first time, We've been in this series of 1 John, we're kind of rounding it out, we're about to come to the end of 1 John, and one thing that we have discovered as we've gone through this series is that John is about assurance. John is not trying to get us to doubt our faith, he wants true Christians to know that they are saved, that they are in the safe place of Jesus Christ, our propitiation. And now as he's rounding it out, he shows us the fruit of assurance. And the fruit of assurance is kind of surprising to me. The fruit of assurance is not good feelings. The fruit of assurance is not warm and fuzzies. The fruit of assurance isn't even a lack of anxiety and worry in life. Though it certainly ought to lead toward that. The fruit of assurance is certainly not freedom to sin. But rather the fruit of assurance for John is a confident and active prayer life before God. That's what he says here in verse 14. This is the confidence that we have. He's rounding it out. This is what, we're, this is what I'm talking about. This is what it leads, this is what assurance leads us to. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We are people of prayer because we are a people who have been assured of our salvation. So I want to talk to you on confident prayer this morning. How might assurance lead us toward confidence in our prayer life? How might we pray? Well, let me approach this with three different titles for you, three different headings, three different points, and that is number one, we pray rooted in assurance. Number two, we pray resting in his strength. And number two, Three, we pray relying on his will. I just switched two and three on you. I'll put it back together when we, uh, when we work through this. 
How do we pray? How do we pray with great assurance? How does assurance lead us to an active prayer life? First, we pray rooted in assurance. And this is the very first point he makes here in verse 13. That we have assurance in our relationship with God. My, my dad and my brother are here. Go ahead and stick your hands up, dad and brother. This is Tom, my father, my brother Jonathan. And uh, they came all the way here just to be part of the conference and support. That's what family does, right? Thank you. Thank you for coming. Um, now, I don't see my father a lot, just a couple times a year maybe. Yet, I know that if I ask anything of him, he'll make it happen. You know, which is why I try not to ask too much because it'll make it happen. <laughs> Figure it out. You know, so if, if I'm going through something and if I were to get on the phone and if I were to say, hey, I need you to come to Baltimore tomorrow. You know, he's got his own business. He's got customers lined up. But if I said, I need you to be in Baltimore tomorrow, would you come? Probably. Because that's what, that, isn't that what family does, Right? Now, this is why family can be abused. <laughs> but that is what the fruit of a confident relationship is. And I would have, at the end of the day, no fear in making that request if there's a real need there because I have confidence in the relationship. You see how that works? You see now how the assurance that we have of our relationship with our Heavenly Father leads us to an active prayer life? Look what he says here in verse 13. He says, I write these things to you. What things? The whole letter. This is his purpose statement. Every letter has a purpose statement. If I were to write a letter and I were to say, if I were to say, hey, Jamie, thanks for sharing your testimony uh, at the conference. It was, it was really great. There's a purpose statement now built into that letter. A letter without a purpose statement is kind of a confusing letter. Like it was nice, but I don't know what they wrote. This is his purpose statement. He says, I, this is why I'm writing this letter to you. This is why I'm taking this time to write on expensive parchment and to do this stuff that I'm doing so that you who believe in the name of the Son of God may know that you have eternal life. So that you who believe in the name, everybody say name. Name, name that is a reference for his fame. That is a reference for who he is, his reputation. It's not just simply the name, the letters J-E-S-U-S, -S, but rather it's the reputation of who he is. His whole story, the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. For those of you who don't just know it, he doesn't say for those of you that intellectually believe in his reputation, in his fame. But he says, or, or, or know it intellectually, but those who believe it. And that belief is not just merely an intellectual belief. But rather, I'm trust, I'm believing in it. I'm trusting in it. Like in his story, I find my story. And if his story is not true, I don't have a story. That's the kind of utter trust that we have in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he says. That you might know, he says, that you have eternal life. This is his purpose. 
Notice those who know that they have eternal life are only those who believe in the name of the Son of God. If you don't believe in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, there is no assurance for you in the Bible. There is no comforting word for you in the Bible if you reject the name of Jesus Christ. This is for those who believe, and what they find if you are believing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is that you have assurance of eternal life. I heard an illustration once of what, what biblical assurance looks like. And it's the difference between a cloud and a mountain. You might look at a cloud and you might say, wow, that, is, that looks so strong and it looks so big, it looks so fluffy, like I could just lay on it. I could bounce on it. I wonder how many kids have thought, oh, man, I would just want to take a ladder up to a cloud. Because it looks good, doesn't it? But have you ever been on a plane and you fly through the clouds? There's not much there. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians, I would say, have the kind of assurance that, that we have that we're going to rest in a cloud. Like, it looks good. It looks strong. But it's wobbly. It's misty. And I'm not actually sure that, I, that, it, that it will keep me. The kind of assurance that we are to have as Christians is the kind of assurance that you have when you look at a mountain. Now I see a mountain, and it, from a distance it looks as sturdy as a cloud or vice versa. But we have assurance in a mountain, don't we? We know we don't want to fly through a mountain. Nobody has ever done that and succeeded. A mountain is something we can stand on, drive across, climb. We can have assurance in that, and that's the kind of assurance that we are to have in Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we know that we have eternal life in Him. This word know is a key word in these verses. That you might know that you have eternal life, he says here. In verse 15, he says that you might know that he hears you. In verse 17, he, 16, he says that you might know that you have the request that he makes of you. From verses 13 through verse 21, he says the word no seven times. I could have titled this sermon, Things You Should Know. He wants you to know. And if we're right in the conference yesterday, and if the Bible is inspired by God, we can confidently say that God wants you to know, not just John, that you have eternal life. Now, how do we do this? I'm not going to summarize the whole book. I don't have time to do it, but I'm going to remind you of faith, love, and obedience. Those are the three themes that he's been weaving through this book, the three themes uh, the three means, if you would, that you know. It's not three ways to get salvation. It's three ways that you know you're saved. That you have faith, that you love God and others, and that you obey. When you see those three things in your life, you grow in your assurance that you are a Christian. That's how we come into this kind of confidence, into this kind of assurance. Now, what I want to focus on today, though, is what this confidence leads us to. The fruit of this assurance, the fruit of this confidence, and that is what? An active prayer life that leads us to make requests of our Father with boldness. 
if you don't have this confidence. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance so that you might know. If you don't know, turn to Christ. Trust in Christ. If anybody's here and you don't know that you're saved, look at Christ and see that He took God's wrath for you on the cross, died, buried, so that you might be made whole. Three days later, rose again from the dead so that you might have life. Trust in Him and you will know. And that leads you to this kind of assurance that we're talking about today, this boldness in prayer. Look at verse 14, the first line. It says, and this is the confidence that we have toward Him. This is the confidence. He's explaining it. Let me talk to you about our assurance. This is what it is. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. We know that God hears us. And that leads us to our second point. We pray relying on His will. We go before God with great confidence, with boldness we approach the throne. With bo- not, not in fear, not in shame, not, not wondering whether or not He's going to look at us with that face of disappointment. Because listen, if, when, you, when you sin, and you're, you're, you're just completely rebelling against God, you can't go with boldness. Because you just don't know. It's only when you're clinging to his grace and forgiveness and reminding yourself of the gospel after you sin that you can go to God with great boldness because you go to him with the blood of Jesus Christ all over you and the way he sees Christ is how he sees you. And so if God's throne is here and you're down here, you can run to the throne of God and approach him before the throne of God above. I have a strong and perfect plea. Because of what you've done? No, because of who Christ is. With confidence, we now draw nigh. With confidence, we now draw nigh. And we come before the throne. Now, in this confidence, we rely on his will. That's how we pray. That's what this, it's not praying in our will, but the confidence leads us to praying in his will because we also have confidence that his will is best for us and trumps our will. One of my professors in seminary told a story of when his father was dying from cancer. The prognosis was not good. He didn't have much time left. Death was near. He was wasting away, just emaciated. It it was really, really bad. So as they knew that there was only a number of hours, maybe days left, my professor sat in his truck and he was crying and, and praying. And he prayed, God, please don't take my father. And as soon as he prayed that prayer, he couldn't think of a God glorifying reason to give God to answer that prayer. And he realized, I'm praying my will be done. Because God's ways are greater than ours. And he's praying to a God who has said that the death of the saints is sweet, is precious in the eyes of God. So he he changed his prayer and he said, God, if there is still service left on this earth for my father to accomplish, let him live. 
But if he has accomplished all you have called him to accomplish, God, grant him continued faith until the moment he passes so that your word might prove true that he has persevered until the end. That's a God-glorifying request. You see, what happened was is he's going before God, praying in the will of God, praying for God's will, and it actually changes my professor's will. God, godly prayer, when we go with God in confidence, trusting him, our will is reshaped, if you would, to match God's will. Our desires are changed to match God's desires. In verse 14, he says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I heard someone say once, all prayers are answered prayers. Not according to that verse. (laughs) This is conditional. He says a big if. He doesn't hear every prayer. He says if. If we pray according to his will, he hears us. It's conditional. I have no interest in linking arms with all kinds of people on the national day of prayer praying with a bunch of people who don't profess Jesus Christ and are not seeking out the will of God. He doesn't hear those prayers. We pray in his will, according to his will, and that's the will of God, the God that's been revealed through Christ in the scriptures. Now, if we pray according to his will, our desires shaped to his will, as we pray, what we're saying is, God, this is not what I want, but what you want. May that be done. When we pray in that way, he hears us. Well, what is his will? Does this mean that we need to find God's secret will? Does this mean we need to like, be looking for around every corner and looking for signs in the, in the clouds as to what God's will is so that we can pray that? No, that's not what he's saying. But in Scripture, we do see there's two kinds of will, if you would, or there's two aspects of God's will, I should say. His revealed will, what he's shown us already through the Scriptures, and his secret will, things that he has not revealed to us, such as what's going to happen in your life tomorrow. That's part of God's secret will. We pray according to his will. We pray according to his revealed will, knowing what he has required of us, the promises that he has made. To use my professor as an example, my professor prays according to the revealed will of God. You have said that your saints will persevere until the end. So God, so that your revealed will might be true, grant my father faith. Continued faith, that is. You've said in your will, you've revealed that we will be here as long as you need us here on this earth. So according to that revealed will, may you grant my father life if that's true. You see what I'm saying? We're praying according to his revealed will. In other words, if, if you need rent money, just raise your hand and uh, Paul Newsom will write a check for you before you leave. All right, just see Paul, please. Where are you at, Paul? You got him? All right, good. Money bags. And thank you, Sade, for that. <laughs> if we're praying according to 
I'm sorry, Paul. <laughs> we're praying, we're, I love you, brother. We're praying according to uh, his reveal will. So let's say we need some rent money, all right? So we could pray, God, just give me rent money. I've, my rent's due, please give me some rent money. Yeah, amen. Well, what has he revealed about his will that might frame your prayer requests? Like you might restructure your prayer and say, God, I, I spent a lot of money on wings last night, and I don't have enough money for rent today. I repent. <laughs> I'm sorry. God, give me the wisdom that I need to handle and steward my finances so that I can pay my rent on time. Give me the wisdom to find an extra job that I can pick up so that I can make the money that I need in order to pay my rent on time. Or maybe we might pray, God, you have said in your, in your word that my yes is to be yes, and though I've screwed up and spent all my money on things I shouldn't have, I still want now in this moment my yes to be yes, and I said my rent would be paid on this day, and that ought to be the case because I'm a Christian. So God, could you just find some way to give me the money that I need in your grace so that my yes might be yes? You see how we just dip that into God-glorifying, revealed will sort of stuff, and we're now asking according to his will? Now we go on, but there's also the secret will of God, meaning we submit our will to his will. We, the secret will of God is, I don't exactly know how this is all going to shake out. And however it shakes out, I am trusting, I'm submitting what I want to what you want. And even if it doesn't go as I plan, Father, I, I, I trust whatever it is that you have planned for me. And I know that Romans 8.28 says it will be for my good. I've told you before of the young girl who was dying of starvation, and she asked her mother, she said, will God allow us to starve to death? And the mother said, absolutely not. And the child says, but if he does, we must still love him. She knows something about trusting God's secret will. She knows something about trusting God, even if God chooses to take her life, to trust God in that very moment and to love him until her last breath. Do you have that kind of trust in God's secret will? Do you have that kind of trust and reliance on the things that God has planned for you tomorrow and in 10 years and in 30 years from now and in 50 years from now up until the moment you breathe your last breath are you trusting in what you don't know that he has already planned for you and do you rely on that and do you pray with that kind of trust in his will so going back to our rent analogy we might say God because I was a fool and I spent my money where I shouldn't have. Maybe this is like the third part of our prayer. Because I was a fool and I spent my money where I shouldn't have. And because I know that you discipline those you love. If it would be to my benefit that I get evicted 
from my apartment, if that would be to my benefit long-term spiritually, then let your will be done. That is God-glorifying prayers, praying according to His will. And if we pray according to His will, He hears us and He will answer. And that's the next verse. He goes on, he says, verse, verse, uh, verse 15, we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. And we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So thirdly, we pray resting in his strength, not ours. We pray resting in his strength. There was a man who was painting a house for some friends and he was outside painting the outside of the house. And the friends had a, had a little dog that, that would go to the door, the back door, when the dog wanted to go outside. And the dog would bark. And the, person, the, the owner of the home would hear the dog and walk over and open the door so the dog could go out. Well, the man was outside painting the house, and he hears the dog barking inside the house right at the door. Yapping away. And he thought, it is so sad that this dog's little brain does not comprehend the fact that nobody hears his barking. You see, some people say, barking is powerful. Only if somebody hears it. Some people say, prayer is powerful. No, it's not. Prayer is not powerful. Like if you pray, if you pray to this elk up here, that elk has no power. We got Saint Barack over here, I think. <laughs> Get the halo and everything. We need to lift that picture up a little bit. You pray to Saint Barack. <laughs> Your prayer doesn't have any power. God has power. The Father has power. And only those who are assured of His love, only those who come with faith, with confidence, those are the ones who then know that they have a Father in Heaven, God, the Creator of the universe, who is actually hearing their prayers. Can you wrap your mind around that? We talk about prayer since the time we are in the womb. <laughs> and we are so used to the concept of prayer, I don't know if we realize what, what, what grace we're even talking about. God the Father hears us. Prayer is powerful when God hears it. And if He hears your prayer as Believers, you know that He gives you every request. You ask. Now some people abuse this verse. The health, wealth, and prosperity gospel abuses this verse. And says, well therefore, He'll just give you whatever you want. So you need like, you want to, not need, you want a hundred extra dollars? Claim it. God give me a hundred dollars. Boom. You want a nice new car? Pray for it. And he'll give it to you. Well, that's abuse, isn't it? 
Because we have to understand this, this verse in light of all of the rest of Scripture. Matthew 21, 22 says you must pray with faith. Luke 18, 1 through 8 says we must pray with patience, knowing that we're on God's time, not our own. Luke 66, 18 says that we are to pray living in obedience before God. Luke 22, verse 42 says that we are to pray in submission to God and what He wants. And actually, that abuse of this verse, verse 15, actually misses verse 14, which says we must pray according to His will. So with that said, with that conditional statement put in there, we know that He hears us and we know that we have the requests that we ask of Him. And if we don't get the request that we ask of Him, something must have gone awry in verse 14, verse 14's application to our life. You tracking with me? When we get all hung up on like, well, I prayed for this and I didn't get that, we're missing the point. The point is great confidence before God and that all that we do ask truly within His will, He will grant for us. The point is, as Tim Keller puts it in one of his books, which I've used this illustration before, who is it that can ask a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water? Answer, his own son. Only a child can go to a king with that kind of boldness. And only a child can go before the father with that kind of boldness and ask and say, God, that, that drink of water was good. Can I have another drink? Can I rely on you for my daily bread? God, thank you for helping me pay that bill. Will you help me pay the next bill? God, thank you for this meal that I have in front of me, and it might not be as fancy as I would like, but I, I am thankful for it. Would you give me another meal tomorrow? Praying for our daily bread, praying for our needs to be met, giving him God-glorifying reasons to meet our needs, praying that his will would be done even when we don't understand it, praying that he is always for our good even when we don't understand it. Martin Luther, I'll have to use a Martin Luther uh, uh, illustration today. Martin Luther, his, his friend Frederick Maconius was dying. And Maconius wrote a letter to Luther saying, I'm dying. This is my last letter to you. Thank you for everything. And Luther immediately wrote a letter back. And he says, I command you in the name of God to live. And then he says, I have need for you in the reformation of this church. What did he do? He gave a God-glorifying reason to answer his request. And God still, in his secret will, had work for Frederick Myconius to, to do on this earth in helping to reform the church. And God granted Martin Luther's request and spared his life. And Myconius outlived Martin Luther. Do you pray with that kind of confidence? Do you pray with that kind of God's will shaped request? Do you pray with, with that kind of, uh, those kind of God glorifying requests? Do you come draw near the throne of God with confidence? Do you, do you, do you come before the throne of God with great boldness and approach that throne as a, as a child would approach his father, the king, who is sitting on the throne?
Now, a lot of Christians have no confidence on this road that we walk. Our confidence is sort of like confidence in the clouds as opposed to the mountains. And as a result of lacking assurance in our faith, friends, we lack a strong prayer life. A church that lacks in assurance is a church that lacks in prayer. A Christian who lacks in confidence before God is a Christian who struggles in their prayer life. I can't tell you how many of, of you guys have told me, like, I don't pray. You've confessed that to me. I don't pray. I struggle with prayer. I try to pray in the morning and I get distracted. I don't spend any time praying. You guys have told me this. Friends, grow in your assurance. Know who God is. And know who you now are because of His Son, Jesus Christ, and boldly approach the throne of God. And stop talking to me about the fact that you don't pray because you're Christians. And He's your Father. Prayer for us is breathing. How can we survive without prayer? With confidence we now draw nigh. But man, it's, it's bleak in the Christian world, isn't it? I've got a friend who pastors in Arkansas. He's, a, he's been there for about, a, I don't know, a year and a half, two years, maybe three, I don't know. And he had a guy come forward, and he said, you know, since you've been here, I'm not a big fan of the services. They've, they've gotten a little longer. And he says, I think we just pray too much in our services. And he says, You're, you do this pastoral prayer, and it's lengthy. And I just think if we could shorten our prayers, we could knock off some time on the service. What? You know what has hijacked our prayer life? It's football at one o'clock that we got to get to and i got to get out of this service you know what's hijacked our prayer life it's our uh social media on our phones you know we're trying to read the bible on our phones which is why you know i'm a big advocate of using paper and i've actually had people tell me like joel stop telling people to use paper bibles like you know you're being judgmental and just use the phone like if people want to use their phone bible just let them use their phone no use paper why? It's because I can't access my Facebook when I'm in here. I can't look at Instagram when I'm in here. A couple years ago, I had a guy confess to me, like, I'm, every time I'm trying to read the Bible, I end up looking at porn. What? First, use paper. You can't surf the web when you're in here. And now get some help, brother. <laughs> get some help for that. Let's talk about that. We have our e evening prayer services come around. Do we, do we believe in prayer? Do we draw near with confidence? Or is it just a couple of us that come out once a month on Sunday evenings to pray? Well, I got, I got grocery shopping to do on Sunday nights. Sunday night, Sundays is kind of when I do my laundry for the week. Kevin DeYoung said, the best way to use your Saturdays is to prepare for Sundays. Get the laundry done then. Get your grocery shopping then, th done then. So when we pray together on Sunday nights, you can be here. A church that lacks in assurance is a church that lacks in prayer. 
And friends, I'm not trying to get on to you. I want to love you. And I can love you through taking you to the Word, taking you to the throne of God, showing you the blood of Jesus Christ that's all over you, and say, look, this is what he's told us. We can draw near with confidence. We can't play games. We can't pretend like we've got this, yet we're living like we don't. Do you have assurance of your faith? Do you have confidence in Jesus Christ? There is nothing then that should hold us back from drawing near. With confidence we now draw nigh. With confidence we now draw nigh before the throne of God above. I have a strong and perfect plea And that plea is in the blood of Jesus Christ. So with that, let's pray together and let's draw near with confidence. Father, we thank you for this time that we could be together in your word, God. I, I thank you uh, for the fact that we have Jesus Christ who has given us all that we need for the spiritual life. We don't need to look at ourselves for confidence. We look to him for confidence. And God, I thank you for the fact that when we look to Christ for confidence, that leads us to you, the Father, and we approach you with great boldness through the Son with the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.